when it's about us, then we are verses 1 through 3. We are those who are dead in trespasses and sins. We are those who walk according to the course of the world, according to the prince and the power of the air, and the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. When it's about us, we conduct ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and the desires of our mind. We're by nature the children of wrath when it's about us. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Picking up where we left off last week, but in chapter 2 of Ephesians, and we're going to look at the first 10 verses this morning. I've divided it into three sections, and we're going to look at in verses 1 through 3, our past state, verses 4 through 6, our current state, and verses 7 through 10, our future state. Talking about our position that we once had, what we have, and what we will have as believers in Jesus Christ. The once had, where we used to be apart from Christ, is described to us in verses 1 through 3, and it begins by saying this, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That closing phrase, just as the others, I think it's so important for us to never forget where we came from. And I think there's a danger that as believers, we can become very nose up in the air as far as what Christ has done in our lives, the precious gifts that he has given to us, as if we have earned these gifts, as if God's favor has uh, fallen upon us because of, well, just because of who we are. And we'll find in this passage that it has nothing to do with who we are, everything to do with who Christ is. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. When it's about us, then we are verses 1 through 3. We are those who are dead in trespasses and sins. We are those who walk according to the course of the world, according to the prince and the power of the air, and the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. When it's about us, 
we conduct ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and the desires of our mind. We're by nature the children of wrath when it's about us. And that is a sad state to be in, and yet it is the state which most of the world finds themselves in if they are apart from Christ Jesus. This is what the Bible teaches us, that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And in our world today, we have a lot of people trying to, some people claiming that they are the Savior. All you got to do is follow me. But others saying that there are many Saviors, many gods. But according to the Word of God, there is only one who saves. And His name is Jesus Christ. Our past state, it's not good. Because this describes us, and if we forget where we came from, my dad, I, was, I think about him often, but he died years ago, but there was a point to where I realized my dad never wore Levi's. Now, I always wear Levi's, except on Sunday mornings. I don't think I've ever, maybe once or twice, wore a pair of Levi's on Sunday mornings, but I, I don't on Sunday mornings catch me anytime during the week, and you'll find me in a pair of jeans or Lee's or whatever the brand is. But my dad never wore these until I bought him a pair for his birthday. And then I discovered the reason he didn't wear pants like that. I, I didn't care for his uh, knit dress pants. I thought they kind of looked kind of corny and old looking and not cool. Dad, you need to be hip. The reason he didn't wear jeans like that is because he came from a very poor family post-depression, and clothes like that were supplied to him by the government. And so he connected a pair of jeans with the clothes that he wore when his family was dirt poor. And this is a person who had, you know, he would tell me, we got one pair of shoes a year when the school year started. Summer, you just went barefoot all summer until you got your new pair of shoes at the next school year. That was my dad's life. So he never really, he never forgot the life that he came from. Another thing that my mom used to, and lived during the same time, they were the same age, but her dad had a good job. My dad didn't have a dad. He was in a broken home. And my mom's family, well, one of the things that my mom liked to cook every once in a while was beans and cornbread. I still like them to this day. My dad hated beans and cornbread. And he explained why one day. He said, Doris, my mom, when you had beans and cornbread, it was just a once in a while thing. We ate them every day of the week and would perhaps have meat on Sunday. And it was just his diet. So to eat that diet, it wasn't a celebration every once in a while. It brought him back to where this is what I used to have to eat when I was a child growing up. And he never forgot where he came from. But even more so, I believe, he never forgot where he came from. Because my dad, and God planned it this way, man couldn't do this, but my dad died at an early age of 56 years old, but he became a believer at 28 years old. So he spent half his life apart from Christ, half his life with Christ. And that second half of his life, God did so much through this man, because I believe he never forgot where he came from. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air. That's an interesting phrase there because it describes Satan. 
you realize that there are a lot of names and titles for Satan in the Scripture? And I looked up several of them. I don't know if I got all of them. I'm sure I didn't. And as I was looking through the list, some people give him names that is more of a description about his character than his actual name. And I tried to stay away from the description and just kind of come to the names, although some of his names do describe his character. But in Scripture, we learn that he, in the book of Revelation, is called Abaddon. He's the angel of the bottomless pit. He is Apollyon. He is the accuser of our brethren, our adversary, who transforms himself into an angel of light. He is called the Antichrist by John. He is Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons, the ruler of this world, Belial, the devil. The book of Revelation calls him the great dragon, the great fiery red dragon, the serpent, the serpent of old. He is the wicked one, the enemy, the god of this age. He is murderer, liar, and the father of lies. Jesus himself called him that title. He is the wicked one, the tempter, the thief, and Lucifer is his name. But he's also called here the prince and the power of the air. Now think about this for a moment. Although we don't see what's going on around us right now, right now there are signals. Well, for me to even have a microphone that projects my voice, it's because I have a little antenna. Probably just messed it up by grabbing it, but it's connecting through the air. There's no cord on me. But that's just one thing that's flying through the air right now. There's TV Waves, there's radio waves, there's telephones, cell phones. Did you turn your cell phones off? Because if you didn't, someone will surely call you while you're sitting here. But all that is coursing around us. We don't see it, but we know that it's there when it comes to the cell phone. We trust that we'll have signal. We're able to call. I find it interesting sometimes, but to just ponder, you know, how, how many times have you emailed yourself something, but you wonder... How far did that actually go to get back to you in seconds sometimes? You know, I'm sure it just didn't make a loop in the church when I do it from church. But it probably went out somewhere, no doubt, to some hub somewhere. And then it's just in cyberspace. We think about all the things that's in the air right now. That there is in this world the prince and the power of the air. It's not that he's omnipresent. It's not that he's all-knowing. He is not God. He is not equal to God. He desires to be like God, but he is a created being of God. But he has, as we will learn in chapter 6 in a couple of months, probably by the time we get there, but in chapter 6, verse 12, where it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. He has a dominion under him. He is the prince and the power of the air. He is the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And there is this spirit of, well, he is the first one to come against God. And in Isaiah 14, we learn that the five I wills of Satan, that I will ascend into heaven and exalt myself as God on the throne of God. And God said, no, you won't. It's not going to happen. But when that didn't work out for him, he went to the garden. And he tempted Eve and Adam. And through disobedience, he's the father of lies. Because he told Adam and Eve that 
The only reason God says you can't eat of this tree is he knows when you eat of it, you're going to be like God. And, and well, who wouldn't be, want to be like God? How would you like? I don't know if I'd want to know everything. But to have all power, all knowledge, all might, to be everywhere at once. I just find these things out like most things in life. I discover them when they go by. It's like, oh, I didn't even realize. That's how I operate. I'm sorry. You don't think that I'm a, a vast planner. I just I try to keep up with the Lord's work in my life. And uh, as long as you're following the right person, it works well. But he is the prince and the power of the air. He's the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And in verse 3, among whom we also once conducted ourselves. This was us, conducting ourselves, fulfilling the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature the children of wrath. That phrase, by nature the children of wrath, it means that because we are all sons and daughters of Adam, Adam and Eve fell into sin, and that genetic deformity, we could say, was passed on to every being that was born after them. We are by nature the children of wrath that we had sinned and were born into sin. We have a fallen nature. How many of you have seen that with little babies once they start to grow up a little bit? It doesn't take long to learn no or mind, does it? Parents, I don't know if you teach them that. I hope you don't. You know, maybe it's you. Maybe they're trying to get something from you and you're going, mine, and you pull away. But I doubt it. I doubt if that's you. But you'll soon discover that it's part of the inherent nature of man to, well, kind of say, that's mine. No. All this has been fresh as a grandfather these past eight years now. You get to watch it all over again. You get to watch Melissa see Mackenzie do something and say, you know what, that's how you were. No, couldn't have been. Not me. Oh, yeah, that's, that was you. And we can tell the stories or see it in the other children. But it's how we were, right? We all have that nature, but it gets worse than that. Because if left unchecked and if given free reign, then we will grow up to live a life that all we desire to do is fulfill the lust of our flesh, fulfill the desires of our flesh. I've had guys come to faith, and I know people who are believers now, and I've never done this, but there are those, and maybe you have, but they have made their checklist of where I want to be in life, and it's kind of like this business model of my life. And by this year, I need to be here. By this year, I need to be driving this kind of car. It's got to be this brand. It's going to show how grand, how great I am. And then for those individuals to come to Christ and throw their list away. I don't care about that anymore. It's not about what car I drive or any of that. It's about Jesus Christ. But it was all in us. That was our past by nature the children of wrath. Isaiah 59, 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. But I like 1 Corinthians 6, 11. 
where Paul is talking about some of that past nature and, and the sins that he lists out there. And then he comes to verse 11 and he says, but such were some of you. There was a change, there was a shift in life, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. And I have to ask, is it true? Can it be said of you, such were some of you? Or today are you saying, that's me? I'm that current state. That's me. I'm the person that you've been describing in verses 1 through 3. If that's you, it is my prayer that one day it could be said of you, such were some of you, that you would be washed, sanctified, and justified, and that you would do that even to this day. But our current states, found in verses 4 through 6, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Our current state, that's here and now, but there's these two words, but God. Our past condition, our past state, not good, but God interjects right in the midst of that. But God, they're just two little words, but they have such great meaning and significance in it and God who is rich in mercy, his great love which he has toward us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So often in this life, it seems like people think that it's but God because of all the good that we have done has made us alive together in Christ Jesus, or at least that's their hope that I am going to go to heaven because I'm good. Everybody knows it, but God. As far as that good nature, God knows the truth. God knows the inherent sin that we have in our life, but he also knows the sin of our own life. Talking about the little babies and the child growing up, we, we see that inherent nature there, but there's a point to where that child grows to an age of accountability, and in Scripture, people always try to figure out what that age is. And I believe it varies for everyone, but there's a point to where you determine, not by unintentionally sinning, but you determine through intention that I am going to go against the Word of God. I'm going to sin. Even when we were dead in trespasses, Realize that past condition, according to the Word of God spiritually, it's death. We're dead. Although in the flesh we might feel alive, and some people will get into the uh, depths of sin and say that I've never lived like this before, but it's not life, it's death. And it'll bring destruction to everyone who continues down that path. But even when we were dead in our trespasses, Reminds me of Romans 5.8 where it says, But God demonstrated his own love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even when we were apart from Christ, God interjects into history some 2,000 years ago. And through his rich mercy and his great love toward us, he sent his son to die upon the cross. You know, Paul liked to talk about the riches of God in Ephesians. And six times, not... 
including this in verse 4 of chapter 2, where it says that God was rich in mercy. But in chapter 1, verse 7, we've already learned that Paul speaks about the riches of God's grace. In verse 18, he tells us about the riches of the glory of God's inheritance. In verse 7 of chapter 2, he refers to the exceeding riches of God's grace and his kindness toward us. In chapter 3, verse 8, he talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. And in chapter 3, verse 16, he says that we might know the riches of God's glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. God's riches toward us. God is wanting to do such a significant work in our lives that his mercy is rich toward us. That word for rich means abundant in supply. With God, it means that it is never exhausted self. It is always available. And when we use up some of it, God says, there's plenty more back here in my storehouse. I am rich in mercy. Well, mercy speaks about having pity or compassion towards someone. And God is rich in that pity. He's rich in that compassion, rich in that mercy toward us because of his love toward us, both in verse 4, his great love with which he loved us. Both of those words is agapeo in the Greek. It's agape love, uh, a love that is defined in the New Testament as a love that comes from God, God himself loving us. It tells us so, and we know in John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Paul seems to interrupt himself as he goes through these verses here. In verse 4, he says, God who is rich in mercy because of His great love, which He has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Him. By grace you have been saved. I... I was curious about, I know that they don't have punctuation marks in the Greek. It's just not written that way. There's no periods, no, no parentheses. And I was curious, why is verse 5, by grace you have been saved in parentheses? It could have been uh, a hyphen, could have been used there. But the original Greek wouldn't have had any of these things. It seems to be an interruption in his train of thought at this point. But he's got to bring it home in uh, the third point in verses 7 through 10. By grace we have been saved. It has nothing to do with anything that we have done. We have already heard of how our past condition is, our past life was apart from Christ. And even when we were in that past state, God who is rich in mercy, with his great love toward us, he has made us alive together with Christ. There is already this current state. There is this togetherness that he has made us alive together with Christ. Verse 5, verse 6, he has raised us up together and he has made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, what is being described to us here is what is the theologians have called positional sanctification. This is a position that we currently hold in Christ Jesus to be Sanctified means to be set apart, to make holy, to be sacred. And we have, as believers in Jesus Christ, and it happens the moment we believe, 
our position in Christ Jesus, as described to us in verses 5 and 6, is that we have been made alive together with Christ. He has raised us up together and has made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is a, a condition that we currently have. We were dead our past life. We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. But now we are alive in Christ Jesus together, conjoined together as if a Siamese twin. And what a twin to have, Jesus Christ himself. Father, we pray that your word would just continue to work in our hearts. Lord, if we're in that current state of verses 4 through 6 and just kind of struggling in this life and wondering what's going on, Lord, may you just once again remind us of your rich mercy, your great love toward us. May you keep our eyes on that eternal hope. Thank you, Lord, that we are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Help us to walk in them. Help us to be faithful. We pray this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. <laughs>